The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fullick. People, organizations, and communities need to prepare for and respond to natural and man-made disasters in a timely manner and in the most effective way possible. Our program examines what is being done before, during, and after a disaster and those unexpected events to keep you in the know. Disasters can happen to anyone. The question is, when will it happen to you? Now, here is your host, business continuity and disaster planning expert, Alex Bullock. And welcome to another episode of Preparing for the Unexpected. I'm your host, Alex Fullick. And as always, we like to talk about things that are disaster-related, emergency response-related, uh, crisis management communications, anything that's related to that field. And today we have an, another subject. We're going to talk about some emergency management, but we're going to narrow that down a little bit. We're going to talk about a specific organization that is in my neck of the woods. We're going to talk with the president of the uh, Ontario Association of Emergency Managers, Mr. Mike uh, O'Brien, and he is our guest today. Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you, Alex. It's great to have you. You're having a good day so far? Not too bad at all, getting ready for Thanksgiving here. That's right. Yep. For our global listeners, uh, this weekend, we're recording just before uh, Canadian Thanksgiving. Um, what is the date? Uh, that's October 9th uh, is our Thanksgiving. Um, so, uh, yeah, a lot of people here are getting busy for that. Um, Mike, could you get, take a few minutes and kind of introduce yourself, you know, where you came from and your bio and how you're associated with uh, emergency management, you know, how you got to where you are today? Sure. Um, I'm originally a Torontonian. I, um, I served in the Canadian Army for 20 years. I got the emergency management bug when we responded to the 1997 Manitoba flood, which was their big flood of the century. And then uh, the following year, we went to uh, the big Ontario ice storm, which incorporated much of... Um, Eastern Ontario and Quebec. So I, I got to see probably two of the largest um, emergencies we've had in the country. I um, completed my career. I did my 20 years and uh, went back to school and uh, did a, a college diploma in emergency management and got a job as a municipal emergency manager. Uh, since then, um, I have gone back to the Army once. I uh, went overseas to Afghanistan in 2011, and I've also completed my Master's in Disaster and Emergency Management with Royal Roads University. I'm uh, currently the Emergency Manager for the City of Burlington, which is a suburb of, uh, of Greater Toronto, and uh, I've been here really three years this year. Are you sure you can get away with saying Burlington's a suburb of Toronto? I know how I, those Burlington people are, so... Uh. <laughs> yes, we are. 
So how did you become the president of the, we'll, we'll talk about uh, organization of emergency management in a few moments, but how did you become the president? How did you get involved with the organization? Um, well, I've been a member since I was a student, and then um, I went to one of their annual general meetings, and uh, it, it was at a tipping point in the association where, and, and just to tell you a little bit about the association, it, it started in uh, the late 1990s. Uh, that's when I think emergency management really started to get some momentum here in Ontario. And um, it's some very passionate people, and they were looking at doing a national association, but in the end, it, it, it became um, an Ontario-based association because of restrictions uh, in, in, in communications. You know, the internet wasn't as prevalent back then. And um, the primary people who were emergency managers in the late 1990s and early 2000s were second career people, um, former emergency manager, uh, sorry, former uh, emergency responders, police, fire, um, military people, uh, people who uh, were civil servants who just had an interest, and uh, a lot of people went back to school and learned the technical skills. And I, I found when I, when I when I joined the board, we were at a tipping point where a lot of these people were retiring, and um, the upcoming uh, generation were people who were coming straight into emergency management. They were uh, uh, doing a post-secondary education and emergency management, getting experience and then getting into the profession. So I, I thought the association was starting to change. It wasn't really keeping up at that point with uh, with the profession. And um, so I joined the board and I encouraged a lot of younger emergency managers to uh, become part of the association and part of the board. So our board has changed dramatically in the last three, four years. Um, I would say when I joined the board, um, I would be your average middle-aged guy on the board. Um, it's changed a couple of times, but I think at one point we were, uh, we had 60% female uh, members on the board. Um, we had 90% of our members had a post-secondary education in emergency management. And the most interesting number was 70% of our board members were under 32. So all of a sudden, we became a very young association. And um, so I've stuck with the board. I'm, I'm, I've gone from being an average-aged person on the board to being one of the older, grayer people there now, So, <laughs> um, which is good. And, and, and my, my goal is to be able to walk away from the board and say that we have a sustainable, young, growing profession uh, and, and an association that represents them. Well, I guess that kind of makes you like a, a mentor role with, with your experience, right? Uh, there, there's, there are lots of people out there. Uh, we have a lot of our former board members who, uh, who do help out, and uh, I lean on some of them for advice as well. Um, you know, you never want to get too big for your boots. You want to be able to uh, ask questions. And, and I've had people who have uh, worked for me through internships who are now people I will ask questions of uh, five years later because they've, they've grown so much. So, yeah, I suppose that, you know, I, I, I am the uh, one of the older ones, but I, I, I don't consider myself sort of senior to too many of them. I consider them to be my peers very much so. Mm-hmm. 
you, you had mentioned a couple of good points there. Uh, the end of the 1990s when emergency management was starting to get a foothold. Do you think the uh, previous mentioned uh, flood in Manitoba and the ice storm uh, helped contribute to emergency management uh, taking off, so to speak, in Ontario? I, I think there's there, there, there's quite a few events. We had SARS in 2003, I think it was. Uh, we had the big blackout um, in southern Ontario and into uh, the northern United States. We've had 9-11. Um, it's, it's one of those areas of government and of any organization that people kind of take for granted um, until something happens. And then they want to know, well, where was it and what does it do? And there's a... Um, a growth in emergency management prior to any disaster. The, the, the best prepared municipalities and governments are the ones who've just suffered an emergency. They, you find usually they're the ones who are willing to invest now that they see the, the real and present danger. So we have grown. Uh, 9-11 played a huge role in developing the emergency management world. Um, but yeah, it's been a culmination of all these different events that have really pushed the uh, emergency management profession, the emergency management world forward. Just out of curiosity, uh, from before some of these big events, you know, before we had the internet, do you think the internet actually helped, you know, spread the awareness of some of these events, which is why emergency management became, you know, so important? Because we still had floods and hurricanes, everything happening before, but there wasn't the big emergency management disaster recovery push back then. I, I think also yeah. 24-hour news. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remember as a kid, there was a uh, typhoon went through Darwin, Australia in yes. I think the late 70s, and nobody heard from Darwin for three days. Nobody actually knew that it happened. I mean, we have instantaneous news now. We have blow by blow. So we, we, we analyze everything, and, and, and it puts things to the fore. So... Um, Certainly, I think just the whole media, uh, the ability to move information around has has made people more aware. Well, interesting you mentioned Darwin. I was actually in Darwin a few years ago visiting family and uh, went to a local museum and you could stand in a room um, the way the, the homes used to be built before that hurricane uh, or what do they call it? Typhoon down there, is it? Yes. Or is it typhoon? And listen and feel what it was like when Darwin was literally flattened. It was scary standing there, like to to know what what they went through. So uh, it was interesting that you happened to bring that that point up. You know, I got to see some of that firsthand. You know uh, how they've rebuilt and remodeled the homes. You know, and that, and I guess that's what we take from disasters up here. We we learn from what's occurring here, and then you know uh, progress with our emergency management uh, practices and protocols and things like that. Very much so. Yeah. Um, you had another uh, mentioned another point there that I, I caught. You said that emergency management at one point a lot of it was people in second careers. Would that there be any reason for that? Do you think? Um, it, I think in, back in the day, it was uh, there wasn't any um, technical or professional training for emergency managers. We have uh, colleges, universities, um, all sorts of post-secondary uh, organizations. We also have um, governments 
and the, you know, in the states, FEMA here in Canada are our provincial partners who provide education. And it was one of the reasons the association was founded, and one of the reasons why a lot of second career people were chosen. It's it when you're trying to look for someone who can um, respond to an emergency. Well. The mindset is in, in, in responders, the emer, you know, emergency responders, military people who have some experience in that. Um, I, I think it, it's, it's refined a lot more now where we, we talk about um, prevention and mitigation and uh, as well and preparedness as well as response and recovery. So um, we, we very much expanded out with uh, with. Uh, our education and um, professional development. Hmm. Interesting. It kind of makes sense. You know, if you were a paramedic or you were in the military, you you kind of can continue on with those skills. So, you know, interesting. So let's get back to um, the uh, association now, OAEM. What what's your overall focus? I know you said you were at a tipping point, and you 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 that's when you jumped on board. You know, so. If I was a, a person, you know, listening anywhere around the world, you know, what would I want to know? What does OAEM do now? You know, where, okay. where are you now? Where do you want to go? Well, I, I think the first thing you want to talk about is why. Why are we here? And mm-hmm. we as an organization believe that Ontarians deserve competent, credible emergency management professionals to foster resilient communities. So... The way we do that is to enhance the profession and by and, and the way and that we offer opportunities in professional development, uh, advocacy, mentoring, uh, community collaboration, and networking. So we're trying to build a a community of emergency managers in the province. It's not just municipal, but we're also looking at all the levels of government. So involving our provincial and federal partners, uh, responders, the healthcare field, uh, the private sector, non-governmental organizations, the Red Cross, Salvation Army, and so on, and and our students and our new grads and, and trying to get them into the profession and, and mentoring them so that they, because they don't have the life experience necessary that necessarily that, um, say, police or fire might have, although mm-hmm. they do have the academic credentials. So mm-hmm. that, that's kind of, it's a very, very broad range of people, and we're trying to build a community. That's probably the easiest way to describe what we're up to. So how does OAEM set itself apart maybe from other organizations? Because I know, you know, there are lots out there, let's face it, you know, around the world and, you know, they have training on there, they have everything on there, but how do you distinguish yourself apart from some of them and say, you know, we're, we're the, the community to, to come to, you know, we're the organization, we're the guys. Well, here, here, in, here in Ontario, um, we certainly, you know, there are a lot of organizations out there that uh, have have um, technical skills and uh, they have uh, certifications and they network a one particular maybe type of emergency manager or a business continuity specialist. We are looking to build community by bringing in as many people as possible and you don't necessarily get... Um, a lot of professional development that's that's this generalist that talks about 
uh, we will find a topic that people are interested in, and and we will see a really broad spectrum of people get together. And the ability when you bring these people together for them to network and find out, because the one thing you don't want is to be exchanging business cards during an emergency. Right. Um, you you want to have people know each other already and who can help you. And you know, I'm I'm figuring out how to do this. Do you have that in your municipality? Do you have that in your organization? Um, and, and and that's the sort of piece, that the community piece, that I don't think a lot of the other associations necessarily offer. And the reason that we can do it is because we're in one province. We're in a very large province, but we're in one province. And uh, we can travel. We can network that way. So it, it, it really helps that... Uh, we're, we're we're confined to one part of the country. So, the your organization OAEM is not uh, narrow in scope. You're you're trying to broaden your scope and broaden the horizon. Then, right? Very much so. And we kind of think in terms of emergency managers are full time people who day to day are involved in the profession of emergency management and. Emergency management practitioners are people who have emergency management as part of their portfolio. So we, we don't exclude people who don't do it on a full-time basis. We try to get everybody involved because if it's part of your job, then, you know, certainly um, you can get, you can get uh, your, your information and networking as much as any other, you know, any full-time person could as well. So we, we try to get everybody involved, Yes. That, that's an interesting point because I, I know some organizations, you know, oh, you can be a member if you do this, this, and this and meet this criteria. And I guess um, OAEM doesn't do that. It's like, no, we, you know, you're going to help us grow by bringing that little piece of, of information you've got, you know, and knowledge and skill set. You can help build this community, right? It's a different perspective. Well, and, and not only that, but we, we don't expect people to join be nice if they joined, but they don't necessarily have to. Um, we want people to associate with us and and find out what we have to offer. And if they stay, they stay. But if people want to come to one of our events or want to participate in one of our projects, there's you don't necessarily have to be a member of the association. Okay. On that note, we'll be uh, right back with uh, Michael Bryan. We're talking uh, with the president of the Ontario Association of Emergency Management. And uh, we'll be right back in just a moment. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Can you truly be a change agent in your community? We think you can. Tune in every week for Envision with co-hosts Thomas Rosenberg and Ronnie Langer-Kroger. The show is all about building an inclusive and just future by connecting people with ideas. Connect with what's happening in your community, your country, and around the world as we speak with amazing guests who are fostering change and making their communities better. Envision is heard live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. 
you can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips is an insider's glimpse at a life from a psychological perspective. It's a look at what matters to us. Why do we laugh? How do we cope with stress? Are men and women really that different? What is it about our relationships? How are they formed? How they work out? And why they sometimes don't? Every week is something new to engage you. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll turn up your perspective on life. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fuller. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. And welcome back to Preparing for the Unexpected. Today we're talking with the president of the Ontario Association of Emergency Managers, uh, Mr. Mike O'Brien. Um, and before we uh, went away on the uh, last segment, uh, uh, Mike, we were talking about, or you mentioned actually, some of your events and projects. Can you expand on that? Like, what kind of events do you have, and, and what do you mean by projects? Certainly, um, we have uh, professional development events um, where we, we partner with other organizations. Um, and, and an example where we partner with DRIE. Um, and they do business continuity, and we did uh, business continuity workshops, um, one in London, Ontario, and oh, actually, no, three, one in Brampton, Ontario, and uh, one in Kingston, and uh, they were really well attended, and it gave people who were not necessarily in the business continuity field um, a feel for uh, what's involved with the uh, business continuity world. Uh, we have one coming up in November. Uh, it's um, mental health in emergency operation centers. Uh, we've run courses, uh, CSA Z1600, which is uh, to do with the emergency management standard. Uh, we teach incident management. I'm teaching at the local university. We're, we're helping out the students there next month. Um, we also hold uh, our, our what was our annual conference in uh, in May, and we normally bring speakers from across Ontario. Lessons learned, new initiatives, new ideas, and we'll bring some speakers up from the states. And uh, we've had some overseas uh, speakers as well. Next year is really interesting because we have partnered with. Uh, the people who brought the World Conference on Disaster Management for the last 25 years. And mm-hmm. the, the conference um, did not take place this year, but it will come back next year as the Ontario Disaster and Emergency Management Conference. And it will be a partnership between us and the, um, the company that has previously hosted that. So ourselves, along with um, other agencies... And then, for example, the Ontario Office of the Fire Marshal and Emergency Management, uh, Canadian Red Cross, and IAM Canada will be picking the speakers for the conference. Uh, 
so we will be able to decide who our community will, will be listening to with the benefit of having a professional conference company uh, run the back piece because that's sometimes the weak part of, uh, of any conference if you don't have professionals who know how to put it together. And that will right. be happening in October 3rd and 4th, 2018. October 3rd and 4th. Yeah. 18. Now, if, if people want to see the events that we are running, uh, oaem.ca is our website. Uh, I may try to say it a couple of more times before the end of the interview, but uh, we have um, bloggers from across Ontario, across Canada, North America, and indeed some international ones who, um, who write blogs for us about the emergency management world. And if anybody's interested... Um, please feel free to go to the website. Uh, you'll see the editor's email on there. It's editor at oaem.ca, and, and they're more than welcome to submit a blog, and we'll post it. And we've found that our blogs, because we push them out through social media, get an awful lot of uh, readers around the world. And, and, of course, Alex, we have asked you to do a blog for us about your, uh, about your show. So yes, I was just going to say I owe you one. <laughs> yes, and and, and, and I have looked at some of those too, we, and they are quite once good. Again, our our scope of people posting on there are so broad: uh, academics, uh, governments, non-governmental people, people who've just had good ideas, um, people who provide services to the community. We've tried uh, people who who just want to talk about their experiences. So we really try to have a really and, and, and that's kind of the core. When you go to the website, you get a really good idea of what our community is about because we, we try to post pictures of people rather than disasters. So you can say, okay, I see this person has written something. We, we don't need, you know, a, 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 a flood or anything in the picture. So that's very much being part of our, our culture. Uh, I know there's some uh, good stuff on the site. <clears throat> Excuse me. Because I've read uh, quite a few of the blogs recently, ever since you and I have touched base. Um, so I, I do recommend everyone to go there and have a look, uh, oaem.ca. And I'm glad you mentioned it, because I was going to ask you if uh, there was a website. And I just wanted to expand on something. You mentioned uh, DRIE. For anyone who doesn't know what that stands for, that's the Disaster Recovery Information Exchange. Correct? Yes. Okay. So the next point, um, you mentioned projects. So what what are projects? Like what are you? Well, I know what a project is, but what mm-hmm. what are you? You know, what is OAEM doing? Uh, most of most of our stuff has been related to students. We're trying to build um, some momentum, some sustainability. So they have varied from workshops for students um, to uh, we have a mentoring program where we try to match up uh, students and new grads with uh, working professionals so they can pick their brains about, uh, about the profession. Um, it's been as lighthearted as a, uh, we, ha- we actually rented a movie theater and had a disaster movie night. So those are kind of the, the, the student stuff. Uh, we've also been working um, with um, the Ontario Emergency Management uh, the uh, Office of Fire Marshal and Emergency Management, uh, working on incident management, and we're part of their committees. So we're we're trying to get ourselves involved in in different areas that uh, where we can have a little bit of influence on on the emergency management profession. 
Oh, interesting. The the movie night sounds fun, and if you're like me, you probably sit there and say that would never happen. We would never do it like that. <laughs> and we, um, I, we we watched Twister. That was oh. <laughs> and, and I think the next one is going to be Contagion. Oh, oh, that'll be an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk to, about emergency management in general. What is emergency management? You know, because we we've talked about uh, you know different aspects here and. Throughout other shows, you know, we're, we're, we're always talking about other things, but what really is emergency management? Um, well, I'll describe it as emergency and disaster management because they're kind of two little different things. But it's essentially the, uh, the organization and management of resources and responsibilities for dealing with emergencies and reducing the harmful effects of disasters. I think that kind of sums it up very simply. What are, what are the... Is there steps, like I know when it comes to business continuity, you know, we start with our risk assessment, we go to our BIAs, and then, you know, we do other things. Is there anything like that with emergency management, or um, you just yes. wait until um, something happens? We have uh, hazard identification and risk assessment, which is where we do an assessment of all the hazards in a community and then rank the risks. And most, certainly most municipal programs are built off of their HIRA. Um, that's what you see as as your risk to your community. So that's where you're looking at your prevention, your mitigation, and your preparedness, and also scripting your responses and, and practicing them through uh, your emergency exercises. So uh, yeah, we we do have that, and and it kind of it's the core of any emergency management program is is working with your risks. So does OAEM deal with any uh, global? Um, standard when it comes to you know defining those uh, different processes. Uh, we don't actually. We leave that to government. The uh, Office of the Fire Marshal and Emergency Management here in Ontario has a standard. They have actually a really good standard uh, for their HIRA and a HIRA process, which I believe you can download right from their website. And um, that is that's done at government level, so that there's a a, a government standard for doing hazard identification and risk assessment. It's not something that we in, in, in the association would necessarily have something to do with. Uh, but maybe one of your projects is contribute if they're doing a review, right? <clears throat> um, probably, yes. It's, it's, it's actually a very technical um, piece. And um, one of the things we're looking at is possibly doing hazard identification and risk assessments in smaller communities to get some of our members uh, some experience. But once again, that is a project that's kind of in the works. We'll see where it goes. Right. Well, interesting. So you talked about emergency management and disaster planning and business continuity. In your opinion, how are they kind of um, similar and how are they different? I know you touched on it a little bit there at uh, the mm-hmm. beginning, but um, you know, can you expand on that? Because I know I've been in many uh, workshops and you know attended conferences around the globe, and some people just use all these terms interchangeably, um, and it's, that's not necessarily true. No, it's not. Um, I would consider uh, business continuity to be an element of emergency management. Um, without business continuity. Uh, there is no response if you don't. And, and certainly where I work in the municipal world, I'm more inclined to call it continuity of operations, but without continuity of operations, your municipality, your responders could not respond. 
And if you can't respond, then there is no emergency management. So it's, it's the foundation on which all emergency management is built. It's, it's certainly, I know in my municipality, it is a very separate entity because it's an inward looking towards the corporation, the, the government, whereas mm-hmm. emergency management is outward looking towards the community. But they do have a crossover, um, and, and they, they, they do have a lot of things in common. Um, a lot of the a lot of the skill sets. If you change a, a word or two, they're they're pretty much identical. So you know, you do an exercise in business continuity, you do an exercise in emergency management, you do risk assessment, you do a risk assessment sort of thing, um, and and but different skills. And and I find they they, they sometimes attract very different people as well. So. Um, but I would very much consider the business continuity and continuity of operations to be a subset of emergency management, an incredibly important one. It's interesting. I liked how you said that emergency management kind of, te- not 100%, but has a bit of a external view, you know, going outwards and business continuity, you know, it looks inwards and where the two overlap could be things, you know, uh, just talking off the top of my head, could be where you have evacuation, you know, and your your emergency triage and meeting with the first responders. And then, you know, that's when more and more of the emergency management part kicks in. So it's kind of interesting how you uh, brought those, uh, had that viewpoint, you know, the in and out viewpoint. Well, I, I would think of an emergency as, as how a situation affects others. And then I would think of business continuity as how a, 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 an emergency situation affects yourself. So what would you say, say to something like disaster planning then? Because I know does that people who call themselves disaster planners and they run the gamut of everything you know, or think they do. <laughs> yeah. um, well, normally when I, when I hear the, the, about disaster recovery, I'm thinking more in the IT world. Is that what you're speaking about or...? Well, it can be because I, I, you know, I know with business continuity people, they call disaster planning. You know, that's uh, IT TRP, technology yeah. recovery plans. You know, but uh, disaster planning, some people consider that an entire industry. So I'm just wondering if, if in your viewpoint, if that's you know a combination of emergency management and business continuity, or if if you see that as something different, you know, or and and if you do see it, you know, linked to IT, well, that, that that's fine. That's acceptable. Mm-hmm. Well, know, I'm I, just I, wondering your view. I, I certainly give you my definition of a disaster and an emergency, but it's my own personal one. And I would consider a, an emergency an event or a potential event that's beyond the current capacity of a responders to cope. So mm-hmm. we have emergencies on a day-to-day basis in our city here, but they're within our capacity, whether it's a, it's a home on fire or a small flood or a, 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 a pileup on the highway. It's It's... It's a it's a it's it's a disaster for the people who are affected. If your home is burned down, it's a disaster. But for the responders, it's within their ability. Um, an emergency is when you go beyond that. So when you have a large flood in a city, or um, if you have you know maybe a major building on fire, where it's it's currently beyond your capacity to cope. But the thing is, we have so many resources here. Where you know it's. In especially where I am in a, in a large urban area, where you can bring in resources and bring an emergency under control. A disaster, to me, is an event where it's beyond the capacity for the community to cope. 
So right. it's gone beyond responders and it's gone to actual people in the community. And, and the, 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 the queen of them all is, is still Katrina down in New Orleans. And, and I would imagine right now Puerto Rico, where you, mm-hmm. it's, it's beyond the capacity of the community to cope. It's well beyond the responders' community. So that's what I would define as a disaster. So, you know, and people use the word differently. Like I said, disaster recovery for some people it would be uh, to do with IT. And once again... Right. That's part of business continuity or continuity of operations for me. Um, but as an emergency manager, this, that's kind of my mindset as far as what an emergency or a disaster is. So a disaster planner, uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where, uh, where that would come in. I'm, I'm an emergency manager, and I do disaster planning. So. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I like how you're you're uh, explaining that because I, I do know uh, people who say you know disaster planning is just IT, but a hurricane is a disaster. That's not IT. You know, it, well, it's, a, a, it's, a it's something different. Is you know, it can impact your IT. But if you don't respond very well to it, it can become mm-hmm. a disaster. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. Completely. Okay. Well, on that note, we're going to take our second break, and we are talking with Mr. Mike O'Brien, the president of the Ontario Association of Emergency Managers, and we'll be right back in just a moment. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You count. Tune into Interrevolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out. Follow the movement. Meet guests who are shaking things up. Call in and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice. Large or small, your part counts. So join us. Co-hosted by Helen Hillix, Todd Benton, and Chris Reeves. Interrevolutionary Radio airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you checked out Teen Wealth Radio? It's a show for teens, their parents, and educators. Hosted by Brandy England. Along with regular weekly contributors, Teen Wealth Radio will cover the topics that teens need to talk about. Plus, we discuss a book of the week and a movie of the week. And each show will offer a challenge to our teen listeners that they can share on our private Facebook group page. Be sure to tune in to Teen Wealth Radio. Live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. We live in perilous times on a beautiful yet fragile planet. As a species, we are not doomed to self-destruct. We can live in peace and in love for one another. We can save this, our only home. We must mature. Open your mind. Soften your heart. Listen for the fate of humanity. Crucial conversations for our survival. With host Lauren N. Nile. Tune in. The Fate of Humanity airs Wednesdays at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fullen. 
Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's info at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. And welcome back to Prepare for the Unexpected. Today we're talking with the president of the Ontario Association of Emergency Managers, Mr. Mike O'Brien. We've been getting some great viewpoints on uh, disaster planning and uh, especially emergency management and the organization itself, um, which you can find more information on at oaem.ca. Please take a look. There's some great information. Uh, Mike, let's move on to our next topic. What I'm wondering now is we're talking about the industry. So let's talk about the person. What makes a good emergency manager, you know, during the normal day-to-day operation of their role? And, you know, what makes a good emergency manager when, you know, the proverbial hits the fan? You know, what what makes a good manager? Well, I I think they're pretty much the same thing. Um, (laughs) Everything is built on a foundation of professional competence, and that can be through school, through experience, through a combination of both. But the actual piece, I think, that, that, that really makes a person a good emergency manager is the ability to communicate, the ability to listen. A lot of people hear things, and, and, and they consider that kind of the break between when they're speaking, and a lot of people just don't listen. And we work with government. We work with very senior people from mayors and city managers, right down to somebody standing beside the yellow tape or someone who doesn't have a home anymore or someone who is a um, socially disconnected and, and may not necessarily be part of the community. And you have to know what they're thinking. You have to know what their story is. You have to know what their want is. And So you have to be willing to listen and take it in and understand how your community or indeed if you work for a company or if you work for a ministry or an organization, how they work and how the people think and and, and, and have a finger on the pulse. So once you've got that, then the next thing you have to have is some political acuity. You have to be able to understand where you fit in and where emergency management fits in. We are delayed gratification. We are something that is not going to happen right away. So to get people to buy into emergency management, to get people to invest money in emergency management, to get people to give you their their time to come out and and, and train, um, you have to get buy-in. So you have to understand what motivates someone and what will get them out to do this training. Um, you also need the ability to, to, to do public speaking. Um, I'm out in the community all the time. I'm in front of elected officials. I speak to senior managers. I go visit people who are boots on the ground people. I teach them. So the ability to teach is incredibly important as well. And the ability to sell. Um, the skill that I always look for when I get, uh, and I have students come through my office all the time. I have a lot of master's students come through, and uh, they do their internship with me. Can you write? Do you have the ability to communicate via writing? Are you able to put a plan on a page? Are you able to write clearly? So clarity and the ability to listen and the ability to communicate are of the foremost. And that's not just on a day-to-day basis. It's also during an emergency. 
You have to understand was, what people are I was are going to saying. ask you. I was going okay. to ask you about that um, because it's different when things are calm, right? You know, you act one way, but when something happens, you know, it's it's different. You can see the calmest person go crazy, and you can see the craziest person suddenly become very calm. So mm-hmm. it's it's interesting that uh, you're bringing that up. You know. Yes, um, and and that's why we have training, and that's why we have simulations, so that people get that level of comfort. And I I bring people into emergency operation centers, and they get very uptight. They 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 think it's going to be like on TV or in a movie. It's going to be drama. <laughs> and I explain to them that an emergency operation center has nothing but everyday people doing their everyday jobs under extraordinary circumstances. If, if, if your job is to cut down trees on a day-to-day basis or supervise people to do it, that's what you'll be doing in an emergency. If your job is to uh, look after flood water, then that'll be your job. In a, if your job is to take notes, then you take notes. That's your job. We, we don't put a helmet and boots on you and, and send you out there and tell you to save people. So communicating that is incredibly important, that what we do well on a day-to-day basis and what people do well in their jobs and in their lives, that is what they're going to do well in an emergency. And, and the places where you have weaknesses in, in your system or in your community or uh, in your skill sets, that's what's going to fail during an emergency. And once people realize that, then they know, okay, I'm confident in what I can do. I just need to work on these things. And, and it really does give people a, um, a sense of confidence and a sense of pride when they do emergency management training. Well, it's interesting you said um, a, a couple of things there. It sounded like a, a good um, emergency manager, especially when something's going on and you're listening to you know, community members, people that may have lost their home, you know, you've got to have a, some sort of a compassionate bone in your body and be able to empathize, you know, put yourself in their shoes to, to really make a difference. Did I, did I kind of uh, capture that, right? Very much so, yes. And, and understand that they're not a statistic. They are a mm-hmm. person and that they matter. And one of the, 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 the areas that we are inclined to re- neglect in emergency management is recovery. We, we spend a lot of time on response. It's the sexy part. It's where we're all moving forward and the lights and sirens and we're going to rescue people and we're going to make everything okay. And then it ends. And the, uh, the responders leave and the media leaves and a person's standing there staring at the debris that used to be their home. And they will be the day after, and they will be probably for years. So recovery is an incredibly important part that's sometimes neglected. Um, and, and, and this is an area that we, we should concentrate on more probably. Hmm. Do you, what would you do to help uh, move that piece, piece forward? Like to try and get that out there. It's, you know, it's one of the areas where you, it, it, it's actually sometimes far more complex than the actual response. And, and an example would be in Puerto Rico where they, they had a hurricane come through over a matter of days and, and, and leveled a large part of the island. And it's going to take them years to rebuild. So having a structure uh, uh, in place having a framework in place of government where people can get the services that they need and people can get um, the the support that they need. And, and 
you know, psychological support and also financial support. Um, if you have a structure in place, if you practice this beforehand, then it can be quite simple. So it's like not like the one-time uh, um, aspect of disasters where, as you mentioned, you know, you've got the media there and all kinds of celebrities sometimes, you know, showing up to do their part. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden it ends. You need the, the support that occurs after that as well. Yeah, know, not just the upfront. So. Yeah, there was there was another piece you mentioned too that uh, I liked um, that uh, I've I've come across quite a bit in in my years I guess I should say <laughs> is uh, when disaster strikes you know if if you take minutes and, and notes well then you're going to be doing that you know on your regular basis and you mentioned that uh, not changing that. And have you have you run into issues where you know a, a disaster occurs and then somebody somebody who does that the, a specific role on a normal uh, daily basis suddenly is doing something completely different and someone you know steps into their role and takes charge when that person has no training? Do you have you encountered that and you know have there any issues come up because of that? Um, I'm not really sure I understand your your question, but. Normally, if you train, then people will understand, yeah, this is my role and this is what I do. Um, I think one of the interesting things about training is that people are very keen during training. Look at me. I'm solving these problems. During an emergency, people are inclined to say, don't look at me. I'd like to keep my job. So, <laughs> so you, get a very different, you get a very different mindset that we can all risk house money during, uh, during an exercise because nothing's going to happen. But during right. a real emergency, then people realize there are consequences to everything they do. So you don't necessarily have someone jumping up saying, you know what, I'm going to take charge of everything. I'm going to do everything. Quite the opposite. You have people going, you know what, I'm just going to go do this over here. So it's, it's a very interesting mindset that way that, um, you know, there, there's always someone who's going to have their, uh, their bullhorn moment and get up there and say, you know, do, do the fantastic <laughs> speech. But they're usually the people who do that all the time. They are the people who stand up and make speeches. So whether it's, you know, Giuliani on 9-11, who was a mayor, well, he was the mayor the day before. He could give a great speech every day or, mm-hmm. or something like that. Then they step up, you know, they, they, they get going, they, they do their bit. Yeah. Uh, no, that sounds good because I, I know I've run into one or two situations where people who had no involvement whatsoever suddenly you know, tried to take control of a situation and they created more of a mess than there actually was to start with. You know, so <laughs> I was just kind of curious to know uh, if you had uh, what your thoughts were on that. So um, the next I'd like to, you know, let, let's think about some of the, all your experiences and all the things that you've been through. You know, are there any, uh, one, any tips you could give to our listeners, you know, one um, to learn about emergency management or things that they they could maybe take away with them to, to help their in their role right now? And two, do you have any personal experiences that maybe you could share with us? Uh, understanding you may not be able to mention specific companies or places, but um, you know anything you can share with us that you've been through? Um, well, I, I'll talk a little bit about how do, how do you get into the business? How do you get into the profession? And 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 how do you how do you advance? And I, I think network, network, network. Um, 
you you can get the professional qualifications, but if you don't know how they apply, uh, then it, it, they're, they're just qualifications. You have to go out and get experience, meet people in the profession, and, and most people are very open to telling you about our profession and understand how it works. Is it really what you want to do? A lot of people think emergency management is rappelling into volcanoes and things like that, and then they find out that you... <laughs> Spend more time with your uh, with your your laptop than you do with your repelling equipment, and um, so understanding what 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 we're about. Um, people who are in the profession or new to the profession need to meet people so they can be mentored, so they can find out more. Normally, if you go to write a plan or you, you, you have this fantastic idea, the chances are it's already out there already, or there's three more people working on it across the city even. So getting out there and knowing people in your community, and like I said, that's one of the goals of OAEM. And one of the things we've done is we've really worked on our social media. So LinkedIn, even Facebook, Twitter, we're on all three. And they attract three different types of people, really. And uh, so I, I would suggest looking at that sort of area as well and, and getting to know people and getting to find out who's credible and where you can get information and, and where you can get uh, tips from within the community. Because I can certainly give tips, but I, I only deal in a certain segment of the community. I'm in the municipal world and I'm in a suburban area. Well, it's very different from a rural area. It's very different from a corporation. So finding somebody who is, 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 a, is a like person who is very much doing what you are do, want to do or what you are actually doing and getting them to tell you about what they do and, and maybe you telling them as well because you can learn from a new set of eyes as well. So that would be mm-hmm. my almost one and only tip is to get out there and network and get to know people. Well, that's a good tip, you know, because I, I one reason for doing the show is I'm learning so many more things, and I've been I've been in business continuity for 20 years, but yet, you know, after all these shows, I'm learning, and I've learned a few new things from talking with you today, you know, which you know, you know, is credit to you and you know all of your skills. So, um, we are actually almost out of time, believe it or not. I could actually keep going uh, on some of these because there are some other questions I'd love to ask you. Maybe uh, in the future we'll have you back on the show and uh, we'll oh, address you. some of those. You know, um, but again, um, I urge all of our listeners, you know, uh, check out the website oaem.ca and uh, read some of the blogs. There are some very uh, informative. Uh, blogs on there about, uh, as Mike mentioned, various subjects. You know, it's uh, you know very informative, and you know maybe if you're in the uh, local um, area, uh, try and uh, attend some of their events and the the conference that. Uh, let me see. You mentioned uh, October third and fourth next year, correct? Yes, and and yeah, write a blog know. for us, like you're going to do. <laughs> yeah, and and, uh, and 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 join one of our social media groups as well, even if you're not from Ontario. That's right. You know, disasters can happen anywhere and emergency managers are everywhere. We, you know, and we're building a community. So, you know, just because it's Ontario Association doesn't mean you you can't be a part of it and get involved. So, Mike, I'd like to thank you for your time. Thank you for joining us here. Uh, I'm uh, really happy to have you here and uh, thank you for some uh, really fantastic information here. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. 
It's been my pleasure. Uh, Everyone out there, thank you very much for listening. And if, again, if you have any topics you would like to touch base on, please send me an email at info at stone-road.com. And let's talk about uh, getting you on the show to talk about what you want to talk about and build that community out there, as Mike uh, alludes to. Thank you very much for uh, joining us, everyone. Take care and stay prepared. Thank you for joining us for Preparing for the Unexpected. Please tune in for another edition featuring your host, Alex Bullock, next Thursday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you here next week.